fathers out here, but this is really, and I know we read this verse before, but it just really, you know, sometimes it means something, you know, when you read a particular verse. And uh, so I wanted to read this verse here. And we know these verses in Malachi chapter 3. Uh, and so, uh, but there's one particular part of it that, that uh, I wanted to read. So uh, this is the Malachi. So of course, Malachi is a prophet, and, and uh, he's trying to help the nation of Israel, right? And, and uh, that's part of the job of the prophet. But part of the job of the prophet in helping people is to kind of jerk some slack out of our lives, right? You know, sometimes we get kind of loose and, well, you know, God is wonderful and love and we don't have to really do anything. And, and so, you know, the prophet here is trying to straighten us up there. Uh, and so he said in verse 8, uh, will a man rob God? Yet you, yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed God? In tithes and offerings. Uh, and so the, the nation of Israel had stopped giving tithes and offerings to the Lord, right? And then, of course, the tithes and offerings were there. The, the tithes were primarily there to, to take care of the ministers of the, of the nation of Israel, the, the, uh, the tribe of it, uh, uh, Levi. Uh, and um, he said, you have robbed God in tithes and offerings. And he said, you are cursed with a curse, and you, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, we know, we're, do we live in the New Testament or the Old Testament? We live in the New Testament. So are, are we cursed with a curse if we don't tithe and, and give offerings? No, because we've been redeemed from the curse, right? And so, you know, but I've heard ministers, you know, if you don't tie, you're cursed. Well, you know, you've got this little inconvenient thing called the cross of the Lord Jesus, right? That he paid the price, so we are no longer cursed, right? Uh, and so, uh, if you don't tithe and give offerings, are you cursed? No, but are you qualified for the blessings? Well, you're not qualified for blessings either, right? So, you don't get the blessings just because you're not cursed. You know, you just don't get the curse. So, you're kind of in, in the no man's land there, but... Uh, but we're not here to, to, to give a whole dissertation on, on giving, uh, receiving. But he said in verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. And I believe that storehouse is your church, your local church, that there may be meat in mine house. We had talked about that part a week or two ago. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there, may, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And of course, you know, we've talked about that on occasion that you know, the part of the, the value of, of giving tithes and offerings is the Lord then provides you great blessings in your life, right? And he said that in, in the New Testament. But the part I wanted to mention today was a verse 11. It says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in her field, saith the Lord of hosts. Uh, and there's another aspect, not just the blessings that come from the windows of heaven being open, but also the blessing, and this is the part that, that the Lord really emphasized to me this week, about the blessing of the re devourer being rebuked for your sake. And you know, the devourer is the one who consumes all of your stuff, right? And, and all of your available income, the devourer takes it. And all of your stuff, you know, your cars and your, and your houses, and uh, the devourer would do that, you know? And you ever notice that it seems like every time, you know, something comes around and you get an extra dollar, you know, your lawnmower breaks or the car breaks down or, you know, you need new, you know, a uh, new washing machine or new dryer or, or your, you know, your your faucet starts leaking. I mean, it just seems like there's always something. You, you ever hear people say that? There's always something, you know, which is a terrible confession, you know, because don't don't define your future by your words. Right. You know, something's always breaking down in my house. Well, then you've established the devourer is going to consume your house for the next year. Right. So don't don't give the devourer an opportunity. But he said he rebuked the devourer. So so, you know, your washing machine's going to stop leaking and your your car is going to stop breaking down. And, and you know, your cat's going to stop getting sick. And I mean, isn't are all those things the devourer, right? The, the result of the devourer coming into your life. Uh, and he said that's the value. That's one of the values of, of being faithful to give tithes and offerings is 
not only will he open up the, the heavens, because it doesn't do you any good if he opens up the heaven and it just falls into a sinkhole, right? I mean, you know, you, uh, you ever seen a sinkhole? You can pour everything you want to in a sinkhole. It's never going to get filled up, right? So the windows of heaven can be opened up, and if it just goes into a sinkhole with it from the devourer, not going to do any good, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so one of the great blessings of, of being faithful to give tithes and offerings is the devourer is rebuked. For your sake. And as we said, the, the devourer is, is rebuked for your sake. Amen. For your benefit. Uh, and so uh, I, the Lord just really encouraged me about that this week. And I thought, you know, that's really good, you know, because don't you hate it when, when something breaks down? And especially when you need it, that's the worst, right? I mean, you know, that's, that, that's an area of growth in my life that I'm still working on, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, my boat stopped working the other day, you know, and just, you know, grumbling about, you know, now you got to fix the thing. And, and so, uh, but, um, it, you know, if you do have things, things aren't, will never last forever. We know that, right? But, uh, but, but there is an aspect of your life where it seems like there's always something broken or breaking, right? Or something that has to be fixed, and, and it just consumes all your money, right? Consumes every dime that you get. Uh, well, that's the devourer, amen? And the Lord said he'd rebuke that for your sake, amen, as you're faithful to give tithes and offerings. And, and of course, we, we give by faith, right? It's not the mechanics of giving that gets the job done. It's the faith that, Lord, when I do this and, and I'm faithful to follow your word, then you give me the blessings that come along with that. But we don't give to get. We give because we love the Lord, right? That's why we get us to, what motivates to give, us to give both tithes and offerings because we love him and desire to do what he's instructed us to do. But uh, as part of that, then we get the blessings of the, the obedience of doing uh, his word, amen? And it comes from the faith of that, not the mechanics of, of just doing that, amen? Uh, and so uh, is, it, is the devourer rebuked for your sake? He is, amen, uh, and he can be. And so, you know, if there's areas in your life where, uh, where maybe you are being faithful to tithe and give offerings, but the devourer seems to be keeping on uh, li lifting up his head, you can by faith say, you know, you're rebuked in the name of Jesus. Uh, you will stop causing everything in my life to break and, and, and fall apart. Uh, the Lord uh, will, will re uh, the Lord rebukes you. Uh, and so you can use faith in that area, amen, against the devourer. Uh, and so praise God, I just thought uh, uh, that that was good and, and valuable enough to, to take an extra few minutes this morning and mention that. Uh, and so, uh, Jerry, do you want to help us? Uh, uh, you are a holy father. There is none like you. Father, you're worthy of all praise and honor, adoration, Father. Father, we on the earth worship you in faith. Father, someday we will worship you face to face. Father, we choose to do it as an act of faith, knowing that you are, and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Father, we sense your spirit. We praise your greatness, Father. We thank you, Father being great and wonderful father and mighty and majestic in our lives father you've not diminished your hand in the earth you've not diminished your power in the earth you've not called the spirit of god back to heaven father he still resides here on the earth in the hearts of men in the churches of the lord jesus the great power of god resides in us and among us father power that created the universe, that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells and lives in us, your people, Father. Father, that makes you worthy to be worshipped. Father, we adore you. We thank you, Father. 
thank you for your great love that you exhibited towards us, Father. We thank you for the great sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Father, sacrifice that we can only imagine and can never fathom, Father. Thank you, Father. You are great and mighty and holy, Father, and precious, Father. And we worship you. We exalt you, Father. We thank you, Father. Worthy of all praise and honor. Worthy of all adoration, Father. Worthy of all glory and honor, Father. Father, you alone are worthy. We choose to worship you, Father. Our choice, Father. We do it gladly, Father. And thank you, Lord, for all the great and mighty and wonderful things you've done for us. All the great and mighty and wonderful things you will do for us, Father. We know that you've not stopped. Father, tomorrow brings more opportunity, Father, for you to worship to, for you to work on our behalf. We look forward, Father the testimonies that we'll have of the work that you've done in our lives. We thank you, Father. And Father, we will declare your testimonies to the earth that you are great and wonderful, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for all of these things. We give you all praise and honor for them, Father. We thank you for all of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good. Amen. You know, He's worthy for us to thank Him and to, to remember the things that He's done for us. If you recall, in some of the churches that we had been reading about in the book of Revelation, He said that uh, in order for you to overcome, you need to remember. Remember from whence you came. Amen. And, you know, I was just thinking about that the other day, about, about Him instructing us to remember. And, you know, uh, he told the church at Ephesus, remember from whence you came. You know, it's valuable to remember uh, in your walk of faith, you know, who's gone before you. What, what have we learned from our forefathers? And, you know, one of the saddest things is when I, when I see these, you know, usually young, zealous Christians who don't know anything, they think they came up with all that on their own. They, came up, they think they came up with all the revelation on their own, not knowing the... The, de the decades and the years and the pain and the sweat and the, the, the blood and agony that our forefathers spent to obtain that revelation on, on their knees and in times and seasons and days and hours and years of prayer that uh, it took to, to find the revelation of the Word of God. It's always been there, but, you know, some, some things, uh, you know, uh, some people you can just walk along the ground and find a gold nugget. Sometimes you've got to dig and sweat and, and find that. It's not that the Lord's trying to make it. It's just, it just takes effort sometimes. He told, us, told Timothy to study to show himself approved unto God. You know, there's study that's necessary in, in reading and praying and meditating that's necessary to discern the Word of God. And men and women of old have, have, have done so much work for us. Uh, you know, you think about, uh, you know, nowadays we've got computers, but there was a fellow by the name of Dr. Strong who spent uh, so many decades of his life recording every verse, uh, every word in the Bible and telling us which verses that word was used in. Uh, and it's a, it's a huge book, right? I mean, it's this thick and it weighs, you know, 20 pounds. I don't know what it weighs, but it weighs pounds and pounds, you know, uh, to do that. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, we just flipped through it. And I remember when I first got saved, you know, before uh, Bible programs existed on computers, I had a Strong's Concordance. And 
I would look up words and you'd look it up and, and, you, and you always dreaded when you got to a word that was used a thousand times in the Bible because then you had a thousand verses you had to read. You know, you wanted to, this is the only time it was used in the Bible. Sweet, you know, you've got it right there, strong, finally, it's the only time. Then you get faith, you know, faith was used, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible. And then to, to find out what you needed, you still had to read all those verses because he didn't include the whole verse. It was too much, it would take in too much room. He just included a portion of the verse. So then he'd have to look it up in your Bible and find out, you know, the whole context of the verse. And, uh, and of course, some people still do it that way, right? So oh, I'll I, I look it up all manual, you know. You don't really look it up manually. Uh, you look it up from Strong's, you know, because uh, he spent all that time doing that. Nobody reads the whole Bible looking for verses, right? I mean, there's 32,000 verses, uh, 31,102 verses, in case you're wondering the exact number in the King James anyway. Uh, nobody reads all 31,000 verses looking for a verse. They go to some help like Strong's or, uh, of course, uh, 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 Dr. Robert Young, uh, he, he wrote Young's uh, uh, analytical concordance. And I, I, you know, I, I keep meaning one of these days, why did he have to write that? You know, because Strong's already had the work done. Why did Dr. Young decide that he needed another one, right? Uh, I'm sure there was a reason. Uh, and, and some of his material in Dr. Young's uh, preface of his uh, uh, concordance is very helpful. He talks about some of the Hebrew words and how they were used and uh, and it helps us gain some understanding about why things were written the way they were written in the book of he- in, in not the book of Hebrews but in the Hebrew language, and some of the constraints of the language itself that the language itself was limited in how it could express certain ideas, uh, and that uh, and so knowing that limitation then it helps you to understand how to discern uh, the actual meaning of the verse. Amen. Uh, and so we thank God for those men and women that spent that time doing that. Amen. Uh, and and we should remember that. Uh, and, and to kind of flippantly, you know, act like, well, we know everything, you know, because God's revealed it all to us. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians that the, the prophets and the apostles and prophets were given the revelation then to, to deliver to the church. Now, and for us to say we learn it all on our own uh, is obviously shows us that we haven't read anything because the Bible literally says that, uh, that we need the fivefold ministry gifts because there's going to be certain things that he will only tell the fivefold ministry gifts to deliver to the church. Uh, and if we choose to think that we get it all on our own, then we're saying we forsake the need for the fivefold ministry gifts that the head of the church himself uh, gave to us as gifts. The Bible says he gave gifts unto men. And when he talked about gifts, he was talking about the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And for us to say we get it all on, on our own says uh, we got a special deal with Jesus that nobody else in the church got because he gave the rest of the church the fivefold ministry gifts to, to deliver certain things to them. I understand you get certain things on your own and the Lord will always speak to you as a child of God, uh, certain revelation truths. But there are certain things that he will limit to only being delivered by, by the, the fivefold ministry gifts that he established in the church. Uh, and, and well, what is that list? Well, there's no list. It's just whatever he at the head of the church decides for that to happen. And then he went on to say that he gave the fivefold ministry, ministry gifts for the perfecting of the saints. So if you don't believe in the fivefold ministry gifts, either the ones that are here now or the ones that have come before us, then you can never be perfected or grown up and matured as a Christian. You will only uh, reach a certain level of your Christian walk and then that's as far as you will ever go because you have to follow the path that the Lord gave to us which is to, to yield to uh, the fivefold ministry gifts and to, and to allow them to speak into your life. And that's one reason why we were, we were in uh, Branson, Missouri this week because we were there with Brother Randy who stands in the office of the prophet and there are things that he spoke to us that were helpful that... that uh, you know, I may never get uh, on my own, uh, even though I know the Lord as a teacher of the body of Christ. The Lord gives me revelation and, and instruction 
but there are certain things that he will never give to me unless I go hear them from somebody else. Uh, and I know that because that's what the word instructs us. That's what the word says. And so I'm glad to do that. Uh, and that's why I read from prophets of old, like Brother Hagin and, and Lester Summerall and, and men and women that have gone before me. People say, well, you don't need to read other people's books. Well, then that's the same thing as you don't need other people in your life. And to say that is foolishness and, and uh, unwise uh, zeal. Amen. And I hear people say that on occasion that you don't need anything, but I just need the Bible alone, you know. Really? Well, then you need to tell the head of the church that he, he created the church uh, in an incorrect way. That uh, he created these, these positions called the fivefold ministry gifts uh, for the value, for the benefit of the church. And, but he was wrong in doing that, wasn't he? Uh, because he doesn't know better, right? We know better. We know more than the head of the church. Uh, and, um, of course, we don't know that. But sometimes people say foolish things because they don't know. You know, if you read the Word of God, the more you read the Word of God, the more humble you are and, and the more you realize how much help that you need that the Lord has provided to you because He's given us the Spirit of God, the Word of God, but He's also given us men and women who instruct us in the Word of God and in the move of God. Uh, and, and if we forsake those gifts that He, the head of the church, gave to us, then uh, uh, we just uh, shoot ourselves in the foot. Amen. We limit ourselves. You know, I'm going to do it all by myself. Well, then you're limited because there's only so much you can do by yourself. Amen. Uh, and, you know, we need the benefit of the Lord. We need the blessings of the Lord. Uh, and that includes the fivefold ministry gifts that he's given to us. Amen. Uh, and so I look forward to hearing from the fivefold ministry gifts. I look forward to uh, listening to, you know, a Brother Hagen message or a Lester Summerall message or, a, you know, a, a John Olstein message. You know, he was a, a pastor. But, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I still listen to other pastors because they know things that I don't know. Amen. And, you know, he was a great pastor of the body of Christ. Uh, and the Lord ex expanded his ministry to help other people. And, and uh, I like listening to his message. You know, I like that Texas drawl that he has. You know, uh, maybe that's why I like it, because, you know, Brother Hagin had that same Texas drawl. And John Osteen had that same Texas drawl. And uh, I think uh, Lester was just mean. I don't know what the deal was him. You know, he just, you know, he wasn't he didn't have a draw. He just, you know, sharp, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, in fact, uh, Brother Randy was telling a story. I remember reading it years ago, but uh, a lady brought up a, a child for a prayer line in one of Lester's meetings. Uh, and, you know, he said, well, you know, tell me about this child. Well, it's not my child. It's it's another parent's child. But the parents don't believe in healing. So they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't uh, bring the child here themselves so i brought the child because i want the child to be healed uh and he said well where did they go to church he said he said uh where they went to church he said well take the child to that church then uh, the, but the church didn't believe in healing so that you know but he just you know he just gruff sometimes and and um uh <laughs> it'd make it tough to get back get the service back online you know after you just said well take the child to that church he eventually prayed for the child but i don't know if we got any help or not after that spirit of god might have left and went back to the back side of the moon after a statement like that but um uh, but, you know, it, it was his zeal because, you know, the child is sick, but they wouldn't bring a child to somebody who believes in healing. Well, we don't believe in that. Well, they do. If they do, well, then bring it to them. Amen. I mean, remember the, the man in, in, in Mark chapter 9 said, uh, Lord, I, you know, I brought, brought my child to your disciples. They couldn't heal him. And he said, well, do you believe? He said, I do believe. Help, help thou my unbelief. You know, the man wasn't sure about it, but it was worth a shot. From his perspective, it was worth a shot. Amen. Uh, and, you know, if you don't believe it, find someone who does. It's worth a shot. Amen. What if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? Amen. Now, you know, sometimes, you know, how much do you love your child? Uh, apparently not enough to bring them to that, to that service, right? Uh, and I've talked to people, listen, they're on their deathbed. Uh, and, um, hey, come to the service. We've got a healing service. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not well enough to go. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. 
what if you die? Well, then you haven't lost anything. Uh, you got a shot, right? Uh, and so sometimes I wonder about folks, amen? Uh, but the Lord is good, and, and he's given us great and wonderful gifts uh, to bless us in the church, amen? Uh, and it's not just, uh, just know that, that in and of yourself, you will never obtain everything that you desire from the Lord by yourself, amen? You have to have the church, the physical church. You have to have the fivefold ministry gifts, amen? We are not God. You don't worship the, the fivefold ministry gifts. You don't bow down to us. We're people just like you. But the, but the head of the church uh, uh, designed it to be that way. And if he did, then we as humble servants of the Lord say, yes, sir. If that's the way you designed it, then that's the way we choose to operate. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, it was a long time coming before I understood the revelation of the, how the Lord structured the church and why he did it that way. Uh, and, but once you learn that and understand that, then it's to your advantage to take advantage of that. Amen. That if he gave that gift, you know, I always saw my pastor as a gift. I saw my pastor as a gift that the Lord gave to me. Uh, and, I, and so I never, you know, some people say, well, I didn't want to bother the pastor. Well, then, then uh, you're, you're telling the Lord, I don't want your gift. You ever try to give somebody, say, oh, no, don't, you know, no, I really don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that, you know. I, I don't want to put you out. You, you, know, you ever had somebody reject a gift that you tried to give to them? And, and you're thinking, but I want to give it to you. I want to be a blessing to you. Well, no, I don't, I don't you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I feel bad accepting it. Then I, then I owe you something. And they reject your gift. People do that all the time with the Lord. He gives them a gift to the body of Christ. And, and well, I didn't want to bother the pastor. Even if they go to church, you know, well, I didn't want to bother the pastor. I, I, you know how many times I've heard that phrase said to me? Well, I didn't want to bother you. Well, that's, not, that's your loss then. Uh, you know, I, I, I was called before the foundation of the world. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job, right? It's not a, it's not a nine-to-five job. It's, a, you know, it's an all-day-long job, right? And, and I have no, no, uh, uh, no qualms about it at all. Glad to do it, Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, when, when people say that to me, I think, well, then you lost out, you know, I mean, uh, it's a gift. If the Lord gave it to you, but you reject the use of it, then you're telling the head of the church, Lord, Lord, I, you know, I, I, I didn't want to receive your gift. You're, you're, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the head of the church, the one who gave the gift to the church. Right. And I'm not trying to don't call me at two o'clock. Well, I just want to see if you'd wake up, you know, you know, because if it's that way, you know, I might not wake up. It's like, oh, it's them. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, you know, don't be foolish about it, obviously, right? I remember uh, some fellow called my pastor like at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, said, uh, hey, uh, I don't know how to discipline my child. you 3 o'clock in the morning. He, he wasn't even a member of our church. You know, he just pulled the number out of the phone book and called up my pastor in the middle of the night. Hey, I don't know how to discipline my child. Well, number one, you probably need to be disciplined if you're calling somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? For something that's not an emergency, right? Uh, there's something that's been going on for a long time. Uh, and... and but people sometimes do that. You know, they, they go to the other extreme. Well, I'm just going to bother him all the time, right? Uh, and he should answer because he's the pastor. Well, well, you know, I mean, there, there is some truth to that. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, you don't need to be disrespectful of the gift that the Lord has given to the earth, right? And, and I'm nobody, right? I am, no, I, I am not worthy of any worship. I'm not worthy of any honor or accolades. Uh, I am a gift that the Lord has given to the body of Christ. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, some people think they're a gift to mankind. I really am a gift to all mankind, right? And so, uh, by the head of the church, amen, not because of my great, uh, my, my great knowledge or anything about me, amen? The head of the church has chosen to do that. Uh, and so we can take advantage of that, amen? Uh, you know, who, who do you think is motivating you not to call when you need to call? You think the head of the church is telling you not to call? Uh, then then it's, not the, it's, not the, uh, uh, it's not the Lord, the head of the church, telling you not to take advantage of what he's done for you. Uh, you know, don't, don't be bothering me with your, with your asking for forgiveness. You know, there you go again, right? Does he ever do that? 
No, he doesn't do that. That would be the devil, right, doing that. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that's just a little side journey. I don't know why we're talking about all that, but the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we are here talking about the, the seven churches in the book of Revelation and how he instructed every church to overcome. Uh, and if he told all the churches to overcome, then what do you think he's telling us? Overcome. Amen. And, and what do we have the capacity to overcome? Everything, right? Is there anything in our life that we do, not, we do not have the ability, the capacity to overcome? No, we have the ability to overcome every single thing. But, you know, in, in all of these churches, pretty much the, it's, the, it's the same story as far as uh, they have problems in the church. Now, there, we'll get to one church that didn't really have any problems. Uh, but all the churches that had problems, uh, the way to overcome was to adjust your life. It wasn't, well, you need to say the name of Jesus more or you need more faith. It was, hey, you, the reason why you're not overcoming is because there's areas that you need to adjust in your life. Uh, some of it was repentance. Some of it was remembering. Some of it was to fear not. Remember, there were several different things that, that we went through, and we're not going to go back over all of them again, but several different things he said that you need to do to adjust your life to overcome. Because you need to look in your life, and Lord, if I'm not overcoming, what do I need to adjust? If you ask that question, he will give you an answer. And it may be, you know, completely different from you, to the person sitting next to you. It won't always be, well, you're just a sinner, you know, you're just full of sin, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes, it, it, to me, it gets a little wearying in the church if all we preach about is, is all your problems due to sin, right? Sometimes it may be that you need to remember where you came from. Remember what, the, what you were told years ago. You've got everything you need. Just go dust off that tool that, that's in your tool shed and, and use that particular tool. It, it's not that you need to repent because you're a horrible person or that you've done terrible things. Now, he may, it may, that may be the issue, right? It may be that you're just backslid in that area of your life. You need to repent. But it may be just that, hey, or you're in fear. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to follow my will. Go ahead and do it. You know, so it's not always that you're a horrible person, right? Uh, now, there were some pretty uh, difficult things that he did have to discuss with the church uh, that uh, they needed to adjust and to repent of. But that wasn't the only thing, amen? If all we focus on is sin, how much do we forget to tell the church? Uh, I mean, just remembering would go a long way to help a lot of folks. Amen. Uh, I love remembering about all the people. You know, I was reading a book just the other day about uh, uh, from Donald G. Uh, he wrote the book 60, 70 years ago. And it was great. Right. There's a lot of good information in that. I'm reading a book by Dr. Yeomans right now. Lillian B. Yeomans about healing. Uh, she died in 1946. Uh, probably wrote that book, you know, in the 20s. It was actually a collection of four books. And we're going to start using that in healing school one of these days. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, she'd been gone way longer than I've been alive. Uh, and, and so, uh, but there was revelation in that, that the Lord had given to her, imparted to her, that he may never impart, impart to any other person in the body of Christ. He imparted it to her. She recorded it for our benefit. And if we, don't, if we choose not to go back and, and look at that, we may never get that revelation. Now, the young whippersnappers think, I'll get it all my own. Is that right? Uh, then the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, was wrong in how he established things. Amen? Because he will reveal things to people that, that if we choose not to listen to that person, it may not ever be revealed to you in your life any other way except for that one person. Uh, and, that, and, and so uh, he can do it however he wants to, right? If he, if he in, invested revelation into somebody, then it's our responsibility to get that revelation from them, amen? It's just the word of God. They're not making up new doctrine. They're just revealing to us what the word of God instructs us that's been around for thousands of years, amen? Uh, and, and it's foolishness to say that we can get it all on our own, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, that, that, and that's why we're studying these churches. Now, we're in the, in the book of Revelation. Go ahead and turn to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 3. Uh, we are in the book of Revelation, but we're in the first three chapters. The first three chapters occur 
before the trumpets sound, right? Before the seals are broken. So the, there's seven trumpets and the last trumpet, and there's seven seals that are, that are opened up. And that's when all the wrath starts. You know, that's when, when uh, all things start becoming, uh, heading towards the end of all time, at least the time that we live in. Uh, but we're before that. So we're in the time period of these are churches that are actually in existence at this time that, that John is writing the book of Revelation. So it's near the end of the first century uh, when John wrote the book of Revelation. So these are actual churches in existence at the time, long before tribulation or the end of time. These are churches that are just going about day to day, uh, doing the best they can. Uh, and some of them are doing good. Some of them are not doing so good. Uh, and, and so this is really these seven churches are a, a microcosm or an example to us as the church today because they're in the exact same position as far as before the tribulation, before the end of time that we are in today. Uh, and they're dealing with things that we deal with today. None of these things are unusual, right? Uh, is there fornication going on in churches today? Sure there is. Are, are churches forgetting from whence they came and just uh, turning into just social clubs? Uh, sure they are, right? And, and have churches lost their first love like the church at Ephesus did? Sure they have. So these are not, well, you know, those are old things. You don't do that. You know, all of these things are going on in the church today, somewhere in the world, right? Sometimes in, all of them in one church, right? We could be an example of all seven churches. Hopefully we're not an example of all seven churches. That'd be a mess right there. But, uh, but if you go through these seven churches, you can find aspects of these things that we all need to in, improve upon, amen? And so they're good because he said the goal is to overcome. The goal is to make some adjustments in your life so that you are, that you are an overcomer in everything that you do. Well, that would be the thing that we want to do. Amen. Overcome. No matter what comes our way, we want to overcome. No matter who says something, we want to overcome. No matter what sickness and disease comes our way, we want to overcome. No matter what attack from the enemy comes our way, we want to be able to overcome. And so, uh, uh, you know, if you listen to some people, it's only, you know, we need more of the name of Jesus. We need more of faith. Not, there's not a single church, he said, that you need more faith. Not a single church, he said, that you need more of the name of Jesus. All those things have already been given to us. So there's adjustments and fine-tuning, right, that, that happen. You know, you go to a racetrack and they, uh, you look at, the, you know, real racetracks where they got, you know, uh, they got, you know, a million dollars worth of equipment. They hook the computer up to, the, to these cars and they'll tune that, that car just for that particular race, right? Maybe it's the elevation or the, the angle of the track or the length of the track. They'll tune that car just for that particular race. And they go to the next race, they'll do all the same thing. They'll tune it, dial it in. To, to make it uh, perform the best way that it can. And that's really what the Lord is wanting us to, as a church to do, is dial it in, get it tuned up to, to adjust things in our lives. And, uh, and you should be glad to do that, amen? Sometimes we in the church, we're so hesitant and so resistant to change, so resistant to the Lord saying, hey, this area of your life, you know, got to adjust that. That attitude, got to adjust it. Those words that you're using, got to adjust that, amen? Uh, it's so easy for us to say things that are completely unbiblical, well, you know, you just, you just never know what the Lord's going to do, right? Yet he said that we can know the will of God. He said you can be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. Well, then how can you not know what the Lord's going to do as far as your life is concerned, right? Well, you just, you're, you're not promised tomorrow. I thought, I thought he said that with long life, I'd satisfy you. Isn't that, isn't, it, isn't that tomorrow? Is long life ending tomorrow? If it's not ending tomorrow, then you're promised tomorrow. So, well, you just never know. You just never know, you know. You never know when your time's up. You know, is that what the Lord said? The Lord never said that. Uh, in fact, he said, if, it, it, it's, uh, if I want John to stay here till I come back, it's none of your business, right? Uh, and so, uh, of course, he, he didn't really say he's going to live forever. He just said, if I wanted him to live forever, I, you know, and he, it, if he wanted him, could he have done it? 
Well, he's the head of the church. He could have done whatever he wanted to, right? Uh, and so, uh, so we're here. We, we've looked at uh, the first four churches. Now we're here looking at the fifth church here. So there's, there's, there's seven churches here. Uh, but we're here in, uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 3. So let's read our verses here about this church. It's a church at, at Sardis here. He said, Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write. Now we know, just looking at the overall picture, that when he talked about the angel of the church, there are angels assigned to individual churches, but it, it, so it represents that angel that's assigned to that church, but it's also uh, a representation of the pastor of that church, the head of that particular local church. Uh, so it's a type and shadow of that as well. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Now, in all the other churches up to this point in time, the other four churches, he always started with the good things about the church. You know, you're doing good. I know your works. I know your sacrifice. I know, I know your labor of love. You're doing a great job. But, you know, I've got a few things against you. He, on this church, it was the other way around. He said, uh, you, you, you say that you're alive, but you're really dead. And, and, you know, I'm sure somebody in the church go, can we get the same deal that the last church? Because you said wonderful things about them first. But now you're starting out with, you know, we're, we're sorry, no count rascals, right? Uh, but, you know, that, is that what this particular church needed? Well, I mean, if he's doing it, then that's what this church needed, right? I assume if the Lord said these things in the order that he said them, that, that he meant to say them in the order that he said them, right? Uh, did, he go, did he call up John and say, hey, you know, can you scratch that in Revelation chapter 3 and turn that around? Sorry, I need, I need revision 2 on the, on the Bible. Did he, did he ever do that? No. So did, so did this church need some uh, slack jerked out of them first, right? For whatever reason, that's what they needed, right? And, and, uh, and my assumption, when I read the Word of God, every time I read the Word of God, the Lord meant to write it that way. The Lord intended to write it that way. Not any other way, that way, right? Uh, and so what if we don't like it that way? He's the head of the church, right? Uh, yes, sir, I'll be glad to receive it that way, right? So he said, you've got a name, a reputation that you're alive and are dead. Amen. You know, Proverbs talks about uh, uh, clouds and wind without rain. People that are saying, hey, look at me, look at me. You know, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. And you look it's like, but there's no rain. There's no, there's no value in that, right? I mean, if you're needing rain and you see the clouds come, the winds come, oh, here comes the rain and nothing happens. You go, that's really disappointing. You, you ever seen that, right? The clouds and wind without rain. Now, and you remember the, the story there in Mark 11 about the fig tree, right? Remember that Jesus saw the fig tree, he saw the one tree. Right? It had leaves on it. And he went to go get some fruit off the tree because at that time of year, if there's leaves, then there's supposed to be fruit. That's the whole deal, right? If there's leaves at the time of year, there's supposed to be fruit. Uh, and he got there. Was there any fruit? Clouds and wind without rain, right? Uh, and, and so what did he do to the, to the fig tree? Cursed it, right? Now, he's not going to curse you, but uh, he cursed the fig tree. But what's it, what did it represent? It represented people that are saying, hey, look at me. Look at me. You know, come, come get some help from me. And you go there, like, what help you got? Well, really nothing. I mean, you know, just hang on the best you can. Someday, you know, you get to heaven. Well, well, well how, how's that going to help you? You've you got a reputation that you're alive, right? I mean, maybe we can install some fog machines and disco ball lights and have the reputation we're alive. Look at us. We're cool. We're hip, right? I mean, I'm a very cool and hip. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad, right? Uh, and, but, uh, but sometimes we can be cool and hip, right? Uh, and uh, we can bring in all the fog machines and you know, the, the, the glory of God can roll into a church. That's real fog. But uh, if we fake it and have fake fog, you know, uh, th then we're, we're saying, look at us. We're alive. But we're really dead. Well, you can't, you can't argue with success. I mean, wh what's your measure of success? 
is it seats filled or hearts filled? See, if it's seats filled, then, I mean, we can just give away an AK-47 next week. We'll have every hunter in, in, the, in the city come here, right? Give away a shotgun, you know, a couple of rounds of uh, ammunition, you know, something, and maybe some bullseyes and free uh, membership to, to the gun range or something, you know? I mean, we can do stuff like that, right? Uh, and get every seat filled, at least with, with uh, people who like automatic weapons anyway. Uh, and so it should be safe because if anybody else tries to come to the church, you know, that they'll all get in trouble, won't they? Uh, tries to do something to the church. But no, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to let the, the word of God uh, compel people, amen, and the power of God, the spirit of God. But see, they had a reputation that, that they have a name, that they're alive. But what did he say? They actually were dead. Now, that's tough right there. I mean, he didn't say you weren't all the way alive. He said you were dead. Now, if you go through, and we're going to go through uh, later on in some specific verses, what does that mean? But, but dead in that context doesn't mean they're physically dead because if they're physically dead, it's kind of a non-issue, right? Uh, but uh, they're not physically dead, but, the, but this word dead means being alive without power, having no power in your life. Uh, how many people do you know in the church that, that they sing the praise of God, but they're always defeated in everything they do? They're, they're alive, but they're dead, right? They've got no power operating in life. And some people, they're that way because they just don't believe, well, I don't believe God does miracles. Oh, you're alive, but dead. I don't believe God speaks to us. Oh, you're alive but dead. I don't believe God reveals his will and plan for our lives. Oh, you're alive but dead. God doesn't heal. Oh, you're alive but dead. You got no power operating in your life. Amen. Now, isn't that what he said to the church? You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You know, you listen to some people in the church and, and it just, oh, it's so, it's so hard being a Christian, right? It's the hardest thing in the world being a Christian. It's, it's just so hard. You know, God's so hard on us and, uh, and easiest thing in the world to be a Christian easiest thing amen and if it's hard it's only hard in your flesh right it's never hard in your spirit man it's never never hard it's the easiest thing in the world you learn to live in the spirit easiest thing in the world be a christian easiest thing to resist sin easiest thing to resist temptation easiest thing to resist uh, doubt and unbelief easiest thing in the world to to overcome easy to be a christian amen he said you you have a name or reputation that you're alive but you're dead uh, and then he, then he starts instructing them here uh, immediately how to overcome. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So they had some things. They knew some things. Amen. You know, everybody knows something, right? If you're, if you're in the church for any time, you know something. Amen. And sometimes you've got to go back and quit learning anything new. Go back and, and strengthen the things that you've got. Amen. You know, some people, they only want new things. They only want new things. If we, if we open up our Bibles to Mark eleven twenty four, 24 and talk about faith, they're like, oh. We already know all there is know about faith. You know, somebody left the church one time many years ago, and they said, well, uh, I'm leaving because you've taught me everything there is to know about faith. And I'm thinking, man, I, that, I, I, I'm impressed with myself because that means I've got to know everything there is to know about faith so that I can tell you everything that knows about faith, right? So if I told you everything that there is to know about faith, that means I have to know everything there is to know about faith. I'm, I'm really impressed with myself, right? Uh, do I know everything? I don't know anything about faith. I mean, I know zero compared to what can be known about faith. I know nothing that there is no about faith. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, people try to butter you up. But, but you know, I always think about Jesus and Peter, people try to butter him. Good master, you know, what must I do to, to, to obtain eternal life? And what did Jesus say? Why callest thou my good? Right? Why callest thou me good? Jesus, is, he always rejected people trying to butter him up. Amen. You try to butter me up. It's like blah, 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 blah. You know, I had somebody the other day. Oh, you're such a, you're such a wonderful teacher. Oh, you're so, you're so, you, you know so much. 
blah, 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 right? Butter me up, right? It's just, I'm impervious to flattery. I just, because if the Lord Jesus was impervious to flattery, then, I mean, he's, he was worthy of flattery, wasn't he? I'm unworthy being made out of dust and clay uh, of any flattery at all. Oh, you're so wonderful. It's like blah, 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 right? Uh, and so he said, remember. Uh, he said, well, we be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So they've got some things that are still hanging on. It's pretty good, right? Hang on to those things. Strengthen them, right? Uh, because if, if you don't, if you don't go back to those things that you do have, you will lose them. You know, how many people have you seen uh, start out on fire for God? You know, uh, just, just, you know, burning the house down just with zeal and, and, and joy for the Lord. And you see them a year later, and they're not even in church. Well, what happened? Well, they didn't strengthen the things that remained. They got one or two nuggets of God and didn't focus on those things and let them grow and produce fruit in their life. They kept on going to something new, something new, something new. And they wake up one day and, they, and it's, you know, it's God's stuff. I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, I've known people like that uh, for many years in the body of Christ. They're always, it's always going to be something new. Always going to be something new. Always going to be, and, and they forsake the things that they learned yesterday because they're always, you know, I don't want to hear what I learned yesterday. Uh, Peter said that it's not grievous to repeat the things that I've said to you before. Uh, you know, some people think, oh, here we go again, faith and healing, faith and healing, you know, what in the world, you know. I remember one pastor, uh, he, he was like in his 80s and they thought he was getting senile, you know, and. They said for like a year, every, every service, he got up talking about love. And, and it's like, well, he's just senile. You know, he just, you know, he, he forgot the last week he talked about love. And finally, someone said, Pastor, why do you keep teaching us some love? He said, well, you haven't got it yet. As soon as you get out, go on to something else. And, you know, and, so that was the people, right? So it's their fault that he was talk, talking about love every single service because they were slow, slow to hear, right? Dull of hearing. You ever been, you ever been dull of hearing? Uh, no, of course, none of us have been dull. Well, we know people that are dull of hearing. Yeah, they're dull of hearing, right? Because every time we talk about dull of hearing, oh, yeah, it's for that guy over there. Never about me, right? I'm never dull of hearing. Uh, and so uh, we've all probably been dull of hearing on occasion, haven't we? Uh, strengthen those things which remain. Amen? You know, sometimes it's good to go back and, and, and relearn the things that you already know. That's why repetition is helpful. Amen? Uh, and he said, uh, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. That's tough right there. So whatever they were doing, they weren't doing good things. Now, he didn't say they were sinful things, you know, because uh, the, remember in the book of Hebrews, he said repentance from dead works. In other words, works that appear good, but have no life in them, not, not inspired by the, by the plan of God. You know, churches are, are really bad about doing works that are, are not uh, inspired by the by the presence of God. Well, we just we, we need to go do something. All right, okay, we're going to have the biggest you know feeding program in a nation. That's great. But uh, when Jesus gave the commission to the church in Mark 16, what was the very first thing he told them to do? Is it go where? Into all the world and do what? Feed the poor. Is that what he said? What did he say? Preach the gospel, right? And that, so, that, so if the head of the church said that's the first thing we should do, then what's, the, what's our priority? Preaching the gospel, right? So anything wrong with feeding the poor? Nothing wrong with feeding the poor. But what, what happens, a church can be so consumed with that that that's all they're doing is feeding the poor, but the poor aren't coming to church. You know, they come, get their food, and they leave. You know, he said you'll always have the poor what? With you. So he didn't say go and find the poor. He said, take care of the poor that are with you. When the, in the book of Acts, they were feeding the poor that was with them. 
right? They weren't, uh, and, and I'm not opposed to going out across, if the Lord said go across the street and feed the poor, then go across the street and feed the poor. I mean, I, I got no, it's not about that. It's just sometimes we think that our job is to solve the world's problems. That's, our job is to, is to preach the gospel to the world. Amen. Uh, and, and in so doing, you know, if by feeding them, we get them in. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, it was after he preached to them for two or three days. Right. It wasn't just feed them first and then, you know, he preached to them and then he fed them. Uh, and so, again, I'm not against anybody doing a We got a feeding program. We got a box program back there. Right. You, you hungry? Come and get a box of food. Right. We've given lots of boxes of food away. Uh, and uh, so but you got to be careful because it's easy to get consumed with works. Right. He said uh, that you have works. Uh, I have not found thy works perfect before God. So as a church, you've got, now this is written to the church, right? It's not written to an, an individual. It's written to a church, right? A physical loca- a lo- a church at a location. And that church, so he doesn't tell us what those works are. So you have to review everything you're doing as a church. Are the things we do, are the things that we're doing, are they works that the Lord has assigned to us to do? Or are they just things that we think people should do, right? You know, I got in trouble one time because someone said, well, you don't have men's fellowship or ladies fellowship. So you're wrong. Well, I mean, number one, uh, how many book chapters and verses do we have that says thou shalt have a men's fellowship? Is there any verse at all that even said you should have that? There's, how many are there? Zero, right? So anything wrong with having a men's fellowship, a ladies' fellowship? I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it because we, we can fellowship, right? But as, as far as specifically having a men's fellowship, right? That meets once a week and eats pancakes or whatever we do, right? Uh, but somehow we're wrong. Because we don't have a men's, even though there's no Bible for it. Uh, it well, see, what is that? That's a work that, that uh, you know, if the Lord doesn't tell you to do it, then it's just a work. It's not a good work. It's just a work, right? Uh, that uh, It's not in the will of God. Now, again, am I opposed to it? Not opposed to it at all. I, I think it's fine to fellowship, right? I, mean, I think you guys had ladies fellowship just a week or so ago, right? Uh, and so, uh, but the works are not perfect. So whatever they're doing, what was it right now other churches he said you know you're with jezebel the 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 prophetess you know the idolater you know the the fornicator that work is is obviously bad but there are plenty of works that a church does that we get consumed with the natural aspect of it right and maybe we have a mother's day out program right where we babysit uh, small children so mothers can go out right? i guess right mother's day out i guess they got to go out right i don't know where they go but wherever they go they're going out uh, and so uh, anything wrong with having a Mother's Day out program? I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it, right? If the Lord said to do that so that you can be a blessing to that. But but pretty much you should do that for the people in the church, right? Uh, I mean, if they're not coming to your church, then let their church do that for them. I mean, that's the, kind of the whole the whole deal there, right? Uh, and, but if you're using it as an outreach to, to bless people, to, to speak the gospel to them, you know, that's okay. You know, I remember when we used to do um, the uh, food program with my pastor, they, they, it was a lot bigger than, than what we're doing here, but they would do a food program. And the deal was, you got to come inside and you got to hear the gospel. And then we'll give you a box of food. It's a pretty sweet deal, right? And of course, even around here, when people come for a box of food, I preach to them, right? Where do you go to church? Do you know the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, can we pray for you? Uh, and uh, I had somebody one time tell me, you pastors, you need to quit asking people where they go to church. Just give them money. It's not my job to fund your life, right? It's my job to preach the gospel, and if you want a dollar, you've got to hear the gospel before you get your dollar, right? That's the deal. It's no, it's no, you know, it's free, but there's a cost to it, right? You've got to hear me preach. And I may start from Genesis, work my way to Revelation, you know. Uh, I mean, if you want $2, we're going to go through maps and, and, and concordance and everything, right? 
Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's not, it's, we're here to preach the gospel. And if we want to use, you know, the deal with, with uh, feeding the poor to preach the gospel, praise God, Jesus did it that way. But if we're just feeding the poor, I don't see how that's the, the commission of the church. It's just, you know, just without doing the gospel, what, how's it, it going to help them? Tell them Jesus loves them. Tell them, you know, God will provide for them tomorrow. You know, give them the mercy of that, what they need today. But uh, God will help them tomorrow. Amen. So he didn't give the list of, of the works here that were bad. So it's for the individual church to find out what, that are, what the, those are. Now, some people say, well, here's the list of bad works. There's no list, right? It's because uh, you could do one work and it's fine. The church across the street could do the exact same work and it'd be out of the will of God. So there's no laws. So we don't write laws, right? There's no law in the New Testament. But he said the works, the works were not perfect before God. So it's good for a church to review what they're doing on occasion. Lord, uh, is this what you want us to do? You know, Brother Hagin tells a story when, when they had prayer and healing school that uh, people would come and sometimes, you know, people would have, you know, a lot of pr- other problems related to things. And so they started counseling people. And he said they kept counseling people, you know, more and more. And finally, the Lord spoke to them and said, what are you doing? You know, that's a loaded question right there. When the Lord said, what are you doing? The, you know, what I would say is, what's the right answer? You know, what do you want to hear, Lord? And I don't want to just give them an answer and it'd be wrong. You know, what, what are you looking for, Lord? Because uh, it seems to me like a loaded question. What are you doing? stuff you know he said what's the name of the, the service prayer and healing school he said is the name of the service prayer and healing and counseling school uh you well you know the answer to the lord why do i have to answer it, right you know <laughs> you get really nervous when the lord starts asking you questions right well you know the answer lord why are you asking me uh but uh no it's not that then why are you doing it did i tell you to do that no lord you t- tell me to have a prayer and healing school well then quit counseling that's what pastors are for Yes, sir. So they just cut it all out. You know, just why? Because anything wrong with counseling people? I mean, you know, nothing wrong with counseling people at all, right? Uh, you know, in the right context. But, you know, I was with my pastor. You know, Jerry was with my pastor for years, right? Many years. And, and uh, there were people who, had, who were chronic uh, need of counseling. Every week, counseling. And, and the people that were that way, we knew them for decades. If it helped them an, an, an ounce, uh, I'd be surprised. Because they were the exact same carnal people. After hours, I mean, talking hours, probably hundreds of hours of counseling. If it did them any good, I'd be surprised at all. Uh, Because really, the the majority of your counseling happens right here from the pulpit. You just listen to the words spoken. Because they're spoken by sudden inspiration, by the the spirit of prophecy, right? If you just listen, the Lord speak to you and and show you how to adjust that thing in your life. Most of the time, 99% of the time. There's nothing wrong with, hey, pastor, I need need some, some counsel about something. But if, 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 if you set up a standing Thursday afternoon, 2 o'clock p.m. Uh, counseling session, then I'm not, your, I'm not your pastor, I'm your shrink, right? And, and there's a big difference between pastor and your, and your psychologist, right? Psychiatrist. Uh, I'm not here for you just to have an ear to bend, right? Uh, I'm, I'm uh, here to, to provide the word of God, amen? Uh, uh, and so and I wouldn't be much of a counselor anyway because people say, well, this is going on, well, just do the word. Just do the word. You know how many times I didn't go to my pastor because I thought, well, if I go, he's going to say, well, here's what the Bible says. Like, okay, I already know what the Bible says, so no need going to see my pastor. He's going to just tell me to do what the Bible says, right? Uh, and so uh, we got we got to unhook here because we're about out of time for today. Uh, but uh, he didn't say um, that everything was bad, right? He said, strengthen the things that remain. So they had some good things, right? We don't know what they are, but they had some good things. 
but they had some things that weren't right. He said, uh, uh, he said, do the, remember the good things because if you don't, they're going to die and you're going to be consumed with whatever these works are that aren't the will of God. Well, you know, you reckon any churches are doing that today? I mean, I'd say every church, right? Are doing things that, that they need to adjust on a regular basis. Make sure, you know, do some things and see if it works. Sometimes you don't know until you start it. And after what you do it after a while, and you go, you know, it's not really working out. Well, do something else. It's no big deal, right? You move on. Uh, and so uh, that should be a normal, healthy process. Because he, didn't he speak this to the church? should be a normal, healthy process of every church. Reviewing what you're doing and, and get rid of some things that aren't, aren't are the will of God. That maybe you thought they were good and, and tried them and they didn't work out. Sometimes you try them and they do work out. They're still not the will of God. Amen. So, so you always got to be willing as a church to review what you're doing and, and be willing if the Lord says, hey, stop doing that. But Lord, we like doing that. Yeah, stop doing it anyway. Right. Because you got to be careful about these things. Amen. So just be careful. Now, and, 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 you know, as a pastor, when I read these things, see, that, that, I'm not condemned by any of this at all. Uh, if the Lord says, hey, strengthen that which remains, then, okay, then we're going to back up and, and go back over a few things. If he said, uh, stop doing some of the works, then no problem, Lord. You know, and around here, I try to review the things that we do. You know, we don't do a lot of things. We're not a huge church, but, but uh, I st- still like to review the things we're doing. Lord, is it right? And I always tell the Lord, I'm always I'm open up to any suggestions. You want, you want to change some things? Because I don't want to be the same church, you know, 50 years from now that we are today. I want to keep progressing and growing and doing the things he wants us to do. And we may start some things and stop some things. And that's okay as long as your hearts are always willing to, to go with the flow of the Spirit of God. Because he may, I want you to do this thing for a season. And then stop doing that thing, right? So it may be good for that season, but after that, it's, it's past its expiration time to move on. And that's okay too, right? Uh, and so, so there's a lot of wisdom about how to run a church in these verses that are, that are helpful to us as a, as a church, amen, as a church body, as a church family. Now do these things. Nothing wrong with stopping doing some things if it's just, you know, that's not working out good, amen? But you've got to be careful of, well, people are expecting us to do that, so we have to do it. If you say you have to do it, then you've said, the Lord, don't ever talk to me about that. And I will do this forever, regardless of it's your will or not. So don't, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't ever cling to, well, that's the way we've always done things. Don't ever cling to that around here. Because just because we've always done it, the Lord may say it's time to change. Amen. Uh, and so we may move the sanctuary, uh, put the uh, stage on that side of the sanctuary just to see if people get nervous, right? Well, we, can't, we can't face that way. You know, that, that, that's, that's facing south. We've got to face north. If we don't face north, there's, there's no God. God. God can't be here for facing north, right? Uh, and so... Uh, no, uh, uh, we'll go with the flow, amen? Because we can learn from, from the mistakes of others, amen? And, and learn from, from, uh, uh, from what the Lord said to him. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that, that it's your desire for us to fulfill your plan and will for our lives in the earth. And by doing that, Father, we become overcomers. We accomplish everything that you desire for us to do, regardless of the resistance of the, the enemy of mankind in the earth. Father, we'll always overcome. We'll always do what you ask us to do. And you'll grant us the power and the grace to do it, Father. And so, Lord, we give you the praise and the honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. You know, and, I, and I'd encourage you, in all of these discussions of these churches, don't ever get under condemnation. Because there's no condemnation in the Word of God. There is correction sometimes, but uh, there's no condemnation. Amen. So, so be careful about ever allowing, well, I'm just a horrible person because I did that thing. Uh, that's not the purpose of the Word of God is to tell you that you're a horrible person, amen? The purpose of the Word of God is to say, here's the way to maximize the blessings in your life, amen? 
And so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And uh, you remember what we read in the book of Malachi that the Lord will rebuke. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's a pretty good uh, uh, blessing. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Father, we thank you that as we give faithfully according to your word and by your spirit, that you, Father, will rebuke the devourer for my sake. That if, if he's trying to devour the things of my life or the things that I own or the finances that I have, Father, you will rebuke him and hold him back and put a hedge against him, Father. That the things that will remain, Father, will be steady and strong and last uh, an appropriate amount of time, Father, and even longer than, than its expiration date. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you do watch over us and protect us, Father, even from the, the, the devourer in our lives. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. And uh, don't forget, we have uh, healing school this afternoon. And um, like I said, Jared has been to the post office uh, every day this week, pretty much, uh, dropping off uh, uh, books that people have ordered there. And um, uh, we've got a few more books we're going to send out. We sent out, you know, we've sent out a bunch of free books to people because we think it'd be a blessing to them. Uh, and, um, uh, and I think everybody in here got a book, right? If you didn't get a book, uh, let me know. We'll sell it to you for a small fee. And uh, no, we've given everybody in the church a copy of the book because really it's, it's a legacy of our ministry, right? Because you all have allowed me to have the time to do that by, by being your pastor. So uh, it's, uh, you've all invested part of your life in that book too, amen? Uh, and uh, of course, Miss Sue invested a lot of part of her life just, you know, and, and the life of many highlighters, right, uh, in there. So why don't we pray and thank the Lord for, for, the word, for the food today. We'll bless the food and then we'll go ahead and, and eat. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people to fellowship around uh, food, Father, and just uh, enjoy each other's uh, company. And so, Father, we thank you for this food, the bounty of it. And according to your word, Father, we declare it blessed and sanctified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, let's eat. <laughs> 